Hello, everyone, and welcome into another week of Talking Schmidt. We're now into episode two of season three. George Holloway is joining me again this week. George, I'm glad I didn't scare you off in week one. I'm glad our bad predictions didn't uh, scare you off after week one as well. Oh, yeah. Every, you always have a bad week every now and again. Ours just happened to be the first one. Yeah. But, well, the first prediction we ever did. But, hey, it's okay. <laughs> that just means it can only go up from here. So exactly. that's, that's what we're aiming for, at least. We just want it to get a little bit better each week. We'll have some predictions, of course, in this show. We're going to talk a little bit about that national championship game. We'll talk about some coaching vacancies in the NFL. Uh, we'll talk about uh, some predictions for the uh, the playoff games that we have, and then, of course, some predictions as well about the NFL awards, who we're thinking could get it, um, who might end up getting it, things like that. So we'll go ahead and do all that throughout this show. It'll be broken up as normal. We'll take a few breaks along the way. But we want to start off by thanking our good friend Corey Turner at Big Timber Roofing, our first-ever sponsor. We appreciate him. Make sure you head over to BigTimberRoofing.com or you can email them at BigTimberRoofing at gmail.com. Reach out to him if you have any issues with your uh, roofs or need any repairs done on it. Corey is the guy to call. He'll get you a free estimate as well. So, George, putting all that aside, we know all this and we're getting into the action here. Starting early on, we saw Alabama. We both predicted Alabama would get that victory. I thought it'd be a close game. It was... uh, if you are a fan of kicking, you are a fan of the national championship uh, because the, I mean, most of the game was field goals. It wasn't really until late in the third quarter where we saw some real action in it uh, with Georgia scoring their first touchdown. And then, of course, mm-hmm. followed by an Alabama touchdown and things started to look like it was going to all right. And then all of a sudden, Al- our Georgia just kind of runs away with it. They play their most inspired football of the year. I guess they kind of smelt some blood in the water there. What were your takeaways of the national championship as you were watching it? Uh, definitely the defensive muscles were flexed for both both teams. And honestly, like at the beginning, especially in that first half, like you said, it was a it was a field goal game for up until late in the third. And so we went into halftime and the score was nine to six. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just a completely it was a complete defensive battle from the beginning of the game to, to about the halfway point, to about halftime. And that front seven of Georgia was just eating alive Alabama's offensive line, which is weird to say because Alabama's O-line is always top tier in the country. Mm-hmm. And the same can be said on, on Alabama's defense. Their front seven was getting a lot of pressure onto Stetson Bennett. And, you, and we can agree in those first few minutes of the game, Stetson Bennett looked nervous. Like yeah. he he was – like especially whenever he took, a, took off on that scramble and he just straight up dropped the ball, like just lost it. And luckily he got the bounce of the year and it went right back into his hands. But it, it was it was a it was a defensive showcase from the start, and that was impressive to me. Yeah, I I wasn't I don't it wasn't the fact that there was a lack of scoring. I, I mean, congratulations, of course, to um, Georgia, the first national championship in 41 years. That's a fantastic thing. I know their fan base a couple of years ago thought it was going to happen, and then you know the mm-hmm. whole miracle pass at the end of the game, and Alabama beats them, and so finally Georgia kind of gets that chance to. Uh, get some redemption, and they end up getting it. And so a lot of it was good. Uh, you know, the Stetson, Be- uh, Stetson Bennett story is, you know, one of those ones that can really just make you, uh, I guess, if you're one of those people that really loves a good sports story, it is a good sports story. I mean, he, you know, had a walk-on at Georgia. He had a walk-on, and, uh, you know, and he would go to camps, and he'd wear the 
the mail, the postal service hat. So people would know him as mm-hmm. the mailman. So he'd be remembered and everything. And, you know, you, you saw the emotion on the sideline. I don't know. I, I wasn't a big fan. I, I mean, I guess I've never won a national championship, so I can't tell you how I'd react. I, you know, I, I just remember Joe Burrow kind of having that, Hey, we won, you know, and, mm-hmm. and everybody that's won. Like I, the I never a doubt type thing. Exactly. And, and yeah. I know it's a little bit different for Stetson Bennett because it is a different journey and, you know, mm-hmm. the, the walking on and, and all the storyline that went behind it. But, you know, congratulations. I, I don't know what's going to happen for Stetson Bennett in the future. Uh, I mean, he might be able to make it in the pros for, you know, I, you never know. The, the NFL is mm-hmm. weird anyway. Aaron Rodgers wasn't the best quarterback when it came to playing in college, but he sure has made a career for himself in the NFL. So all that was great. But like you said, the defense was absolutely fantastic. I I thought Bill O'Brien's play calling got really, um, I guess, shaky there in the fourth quarter. I I think that's kind of what plagued Alabama. Yeah. To me, it kind of seemed like almost like a desperation heave. Yeah. Where you you had lost Jamison Williams. Mechie was already out. These guys that came in, you were looking for someone to step up in that moment. There wasn't really anyone stepping up. And so I believe his play, his play calling kind of got desperate at the end, just hucking it up, trying to get something going. Because, I mean, whenever you have four- and five-star guys on your bench that can replace those guys, the athletic ability is there. So there are a lot of – he tried to do a lot of home run hitting, things like that, and it just wasn't – it wasn't there. And Georgia's, deep, Georgia's secondary flexor muscles at that point, too. They they stepped up in a big way, and like especially in that game-sealing interception. That was huge. So Yeah. And one thing that we haven't seen all season, and, and, you know, I know Bryce Young's still, you know, he's a younger guy, and we hadn't mm-hmm. really seen him get frustrated, but you you could tell in the fourth quarter when Georgia started gaining the momentum, that was not the Bryce Young that we were used to seeing. I did say this, and I, and I think I still stand by it, and somebody might get mad at me. I don't think he was the Heisman Trophy winner this year. Um, I'm sorry. I, I think it should have gone to a defensive guy. We've seen so many great defensive things. Um, from guys like Aiden Hutchinson uh, and, of course, Will Anderson Jr., who was also there, his teammate. I think mm-hmm. that when you look at talent and you look at the Heisman, it's you know the best player in college football, and I don't know if Bryce Young was that guy this year. I, and, and people might hate that take, whatever. I, I just didn't see it as something that I could literally just say, yes, he was the best player. I think when you watch mm-hmm. Will Anderson Jr., when you watched Aiden Hutchinson this year, when you watch these defensive players from, you know, from Alabama and Georgia, you could tell that like the defenses and as they always say, defense wins championships, mm-hmm. that defense at one point could have given up so many touchdowns. They held how many, I mean, how many red zone stops did Georgia have in that game to force some chip shot field goals? I mean, that then they blocked a field goal. I mean, I, I think yeah. that the best player in the NCAA this year was a defensive player, and I, I think the Heisman Trophy was wrong, and I think this game kind of proved that. And, and I don't want to base Bryce Young off of one game, and I know that's what Coach Saban said afterwards, which if you've seen that speech, it's phenomenal. But I do think that Will Anderson should have been the Heisman this year over or an Aiden Hutchinson who is just an absolute standout and will more than likely be the second or third pick in the NFL draft. Right, and, and I like that take. Like – like you said, there was never a clear cut to me either that was like, oh, this guy, Bryce Young, is the best player in college football. It's he was, was he fantastic, of course. But like those guys like uh, Aiden Hutchinson, Anderson, et cetera, like those guys, the impact that they have on their side of the ball was is is incredible. 
And like we saw in the semifinals, Aiden Hutchinson kind of got it, got it handed to him a little bit. Yeah. The same scenario with Bryce Young, like he did in the national championship. One game doesn't define him, things like that. So, like you said, there wasn't a clear cut to me either. I thought it could have gone either way. I thought it would have been cool to see a defensive player, especially since the snub of Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson, um, that, that there needs to be another defensive player to just kind of take the pain away from that. And there's been, I mean, if you think about it, it's very rare, but there has been so many guys in, in the past. I mean, I think it was what Vernon Gold sent one time to Dominican Sue mm-hmm. had his name up there one time, Jabril Peppers mm-hmm. a few years back. And normally it's a quarterback that kind of slides that award away from them. I, I just mm-hmm. feel, and here's the thing, you know, you look at, you look at Bryce Young's stats and, and you can't lie that he had a great year over, I think it's over 4,800 passing yards, 47 touchdowns. That's phenomenal numbers. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. But when you think of what Alabama did this year, I, I don't know if it was more so Bryce Young being good at his position. I mean, you did have Mechie for most of the season. You did have, uh, you had Jamison there for a while. I mean, you had those guys who are playmaker receivers. Um, you know, this is why it's, it's kind of talked about in the past. I mean, it, I just can't see that being the best option this year when you have so many defensive guys. Uh, I think the first five picks in the NFL draft, four of them will be defensive guys. I, I agree. I, Bryce just, Young's not a number one guy either. To me. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Cause like definitely like, especially this year, the quarterback class is, is not the, the gold mine that it has been in the past. Like your best options are like Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, things like that, like players like that, which don't get me wrong, great players, but it's not the diamond that you see like the Joe Burrows or things like that. Like it's, it's nothing like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, I guess let's get off that topic before I get absolutely, you know, blasted in the comment section about, but here's my thing. Here's my take. I don't think it shouldn't have not been an Alabama player. If we want to say mm-hmm. that, I still think it should have gone to, I think it should have gone to Will Anderson Jr. I really do. I, I think and he deserves. It's it. a shame that he wasn't even a finalist. Yeah, like, I, I mean, that's just a shame. <laughs> I don't know. I, and I know Aiden Hutchinson received votes. You know, I'm not even mm-hmm. saying Aiden Hutchinson. I think Aiden Hutchinson should have been. I mean, I know he was in the talk and he was there, obviously. But I, I just I, I don't think you can't give it to defensive player. I mean, like I said, Bryce Young, great season. Um, can't define him off the national championship game at all. I mean, you got to think of how many guys who've won the national championship have absolutely, you know, just boobed it up when they got to, you know, uh, won the Heisman, boobed it up the national championship. And that happens. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I think the year Reggie Bush won it. I mean, that was the year mm-hmm. that he threw that backwards pass for no reason against Texas, yeah. you know, in a game <laughs> when they were about to score. I mean, that they score there. Who knows if Vince Young has the game he has. I know there'll exactly. be a lot of people who will tell me you can't make that decision, but I mean, you never know. They're in scoring position at that time. So mm-hmm. whatever. But ultimately, I know there was a lot of people that came back, said they weren't really uh, – I guess this might have been one of the least-watched uh, college football playoff series, um, least-watched national championship. Here's my take on that, and tell me what you think. I think a lot of people may not keep watching the national championship because it's late on a Monday night. Exactly, and I, what I don't understand is they, they have their Saturday NFL games – then they have their Sunday NFL games, and they keep the national championship on a Monday. Why not just eliminate those playoff games on a Saturday, have a full full slate of NFL on Sunday, and just keep the national championship like college football is on a Saturday? Just keep it there where everyone can stay up and watch. No, because most most businesses or work places of work are either don't have work or they're closed on Sundays. 
Yeah. And so, so many more people could stay up and watch the game because that game didn't get over till about 11, 1130. Yeah. And like, that's, that's late for a lot of people. And it's, it's hard for people to stay up if they got to get up for work at 6am the next morning. Absolutely dragging the next day is how I felt uh, after mm-hmm. watching the national championship game. But again, it's, I feel like that's after the Super Bowl too. I know granted it's a Sunday, but how can we mm-hmm. not get the Monday after the Super Bowl as a, a day off from work? I mean, how many people watch the Super Bowl, whether you're there for the commercials, whatever. Mm-hmm. I know this is, this isn't a crazy take to me. This is like a real thing. More people probably participate in the Super Bowl than like a lot of other holidays that we get days off where I feel. So mm-hmm. just throw that out there. I think that's the thing. I think we should have mm-hmm. college football national championship on a Saturday. We should then follow that up with um, the Super Bowl being a day off after that. Just simply put there. <laughs> All right, George, let's, uh, let's talk here a little bit. We'll move into some NFL stuff, uh, talking about coaching carousels and things like that that we're going to see and then we'll take our first break of the show but to kind of start off with we talked about it a little bit last week minnesota and chicago we said mm-hmm. it's a battle of two coaches that were about to get fired sure enough yeah. game over coaches get fired first thing i want to i want to ask you mike zimmer made the comment i don't know if you've seen this comment or not but he said he didn't care about records he he cared about winning when they asked why you didn't throw the ball to Justin Jefferson so he could get the, you know, the Vikings single season catch yards record. Uh, if you cared about winning, you'd be in the playoffs. Is that a mean take? No, no, absolutely not. And the, the, to me, that comment was just based upon the fact that Zimmer knew he was out the door and he was like, ah, eh, screw this. I don't care. Like, I'm, I don't care about his record. I don't care about this. I'm just going to say that the coaches talk where he's like, all I care about is wins. Yeah. I feel like it was out the, he was out the door. He didn't have to keep that relationship with his players in a, in any form anymore. So I believe that's where that comment stemmed from. I don't think Justin Jefferson probably cared too much, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's just uh, – we know Justin Jefferson, and you and I have talked about this. Uh, Justin Jefferson is definitely – I mean, he's – in my opinion, I think he's one of the top five receivers in the league right now. Um, I, I think he's going to be – more than likely the top receiver, uh, I think him, he and seeing how Jamar Chase does next year will really cement if those are going to be the top two receivers maybe in the league in the next five years. You know, I think Cooper Cup's mm-hmm. name will still be up there, guys like that. But, you know, I mean, Devontae Adams, obviously, as he gets older, you know, his his uh, production will go down depending if, you know, does he stay with Aaron Rodgers, all that concept that we don't know after the season. But, you know, for Justin Jefferson, I think he's going to have several other seasons to break Minnesota's receiving yards record, especially with 18 weeks, uh, especially if they have to play you know, him in that week 18. I think there's a good possibility we see that, barring any injuries. And, and um, I think Justin Jefferson will get it with a different coach, but I wanted to touch on that first because I thought that was just a ridiculous and asinine statement by Mike Zimmer, and I'm glad he's gone. Uh, I just hate the fact that they're probably going to bring in a, a decent coach. And now, uh, you know, Chicago's interviewing Doug Peterson. I don't like that either as a Packers fan, but it, it ultimately I think the best thing for Doug Peterson is go to the giants, but that's neither mm-hmm. here nor there. So talking about the openings, Denver has an opening, Minnesota, Chicago, Miami, and, and New York. The most mind boggling one I think for everybody was Miami. Uh, because yes. Brian Flores has an amazing winning record. And I think there was, uh, they put a stat up. It was, I think eight teams, had a better winning percentage in the NFL 
than Brian Flores over the past two seasons, and all of those eight teams mm-hmm. were in the playoffs. So a little mind blowing if you're Brian Flores and company, or you're you know the Miami Dolphins to see them part ways. Uh, again, we don't know if there's some sort of backstory yet or not. I I forgot to throw one in there. Obviously, the Jaguars, um, mm-hmm. Jacksonville, they'll probably look for someone that's not an interim coach, and of course, Las mm-hmm. Vegas also firing their head coach. There are two other positions. I probably should keep that in mind because of the whole you know debacle that we've seen from the Las Vegas Raiders this year and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm-hmm. So, Hey, there we go. So looking at it right now, what's your prediction? Who do you think the first team, who do you think will be the first one, I guess, to make a hire? Um, how many of these teams do you think wait for teams like green Bay, Tampa Bay, um, Tennessee, whatever it is to get their season done to start pulling out people. And then of course, what about Eric the enemy? Be going with your point, be enemy. He will get a job this cycle, I think. He, I think he's so been such he's been such a good coordinator in Kansas City, and these past like two three years, we've really seen his name really come about within the coaching search, and nothing's ever really worked out. And there's actually been surprise hires like David Cully down in Houston last year. Everyone thought that was be Amy's job, like yeah. everyone thought that was his. But you know, the Houston Texans are going to Houston Texan. But anyway, back to the back to the point. Uh, he will get a job this cycle, I think. I'm not quite sure where, to be honest with you. I believe, honestly, a great fit for him would be Minnesota because he's an offensive-minded guy, and there's Kirk Cousins there. He's got Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, good tight end, and Tyler Conklin, and just a good starting point for him to work with on the offensive side of the ball. And plus, it's a switch from that defensive mind that Mike Zimmer had. Yeah. So I believe it's a good switch from a defensive scheme to an offensive scheme. And so I think that would be a good fit for him. But the first team that I think is going to make a hire, and I think they're going to pounce on this as quickly as possible, as long as there's nothing, like you said, an underlying situation whenever you talked about him, uh, Brian Flores going to Denver. I think he's going to be the next Broncos head coach because he's an, he's a defensive guy. He's had a defensive mind. Uh, Broncos defense is really, really strong, and they kind of built that a, a powerful defense down the, up in Denver. So I think that's a good fit for Flores. And plus, he's a great coach, and so he'll, he'll, he won't be on the board long. So I think the team that acts on him quick enough is going to be the Denver Broncos, and I think they're going to get him. Do you think Jacksonville still waits for Byron Leftwich? Do you think that's going to be the move? And my guess now, that's the best guess I got. So I would say yes. All right. And what is it? Was it Gerard Mayo as well? He's he's in talks for Gerard a head Mayo. Coaching. Yes, he's he's in talks. Uh, former Vol. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But, I figured. Um, I figured I had to bring that up for you. Gosh, that's a guy. I mean, a good. <laughs> you feel old. He, no, I drafted him in Madden. Like it makes me feel old. Like goodness gracious. Uh, Denver would be a good fit for Mayo, another defense mind guy. Mm-hmm. Minnesota sure. also a good, uh, maybe a good fit for him. Chicago as well. Chicago's defense not bad. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, whoever gets, uh, you know, I, I feel like in Denver, you, you know, there's a lot of pressure on you with Elway sitting there, kind of watching mm-hmm. you. Um, in Minnesota. I don't know if the pressure's there too much. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Mike Zimmer did have a lot of good seasons in Minnesota. You have to say that. Uh, in Chicago, I feel like there's so much pressure, so much unneeded pressure um, <laughs> by that. And and, and I'm not even, it, you know, I, I'm not, I will be the first one to tell you that I like to talk trash about the Bears. You know right. that about mm-hmm. me. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do say, I mean, you have so much uh, confusion in Chicago. I feel that's probably the word to use. You know, you had Mitchell Trubisky there for years. Um, the last time you'd made a playoff, he was your quarterback. And, 
You know, mm-hmm. you, you've you've brought in so many other names to play quarterback behind him to try to boost him. You know what we've had uh, Dalton there, we've had um, Foles there, we've had Justin Fields who gets drafted. I, I just feel like there's so much confusion in Chicago that whoever gets that spot, it, you're walking into a, just an absolute just hailstorm of confusion. I, I agree with that. It's a confusing situation in Chicago, and it has been for the past five, six, seven years. But one thing that I was going to say, adding on to that point, one candidate that I forgot to mention that I kind of believe is could be a great fit for Chicago is another offensive-minded guy, and he was also a quarterback, Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore. He was quarterback at Boise State. For those that don't know, he was, in a, he was a Heisman candidate in basically all four years that he was there, and he's running the, one of the best offenses in the NFL in Dallas with Dallas Cowboys. And with a young quarterback like Justin Fields needing to be developed, a, a head coach with a quarterback experience who's, was, who had a very successful career in, at the college level and also a great, a great resume at the pro level as a coordinator, I think that would be a really good fit in Chicago as well. Yeah, I, I think right now if you're a coach, I mean, the two places you'd want to end up if you're me. I mean, obviously I know there's a lot of controversy around Las Vegas, but, I mean, the team that mm-hmm. they have, they're a playoff team. I mean – we're going to be yeah. talking about them here in a second because of the craziness that went down in the Chargers game, um, but also Miami. I mean, you have a lot of good mm-hmm. things there. I mean, they had a great season this year. I know it was crazy, the seven losses, seven wins type thing, all that good jazz that went down with Miami, but, I mean, the pieces are there. Obviously, the places you really don't want to end up are Jacksonville and, and New York unless you have a tie to Jacksonville. That's the only reason why I could see Byron Leftwich being that guy is because there right. is a tie. Now, the crazy thing that I thought was it took so long for them to fire uh, fire judge in New York after all these coaches who have had winning <laughs> records and better records in their times were getting canned and we're sitting there like, well, what's going on in New York? But finally, New York pulls the trigger. And I, but I feel, as my good buddy George Belecci would say, somehow the Giants will screw it up. Um, so I, I think that's, you know, unfortunately for the giants, I mean, you have a lot of guys that could be out there. And if you want offensive minded guys, you know, that can work with Saquon Barkley, whatever it is, or, you know, even if you keep Daniel Jones as your guy, unless you draft a quarterback this year, I mean, there's some guys out there. I mean, you mentioned Kellen Moore, Luke Getzey, the Packers, uh, quarterbacks coach and, and passing scheme coordinator, things like that. There's guys that are going to be mm-hmm. out there that you could probably steal, but, um, I just would not want to be the guy who ends up in Jacksonville or New York right now with a lot right. of confusion going on in those programs. But George, if you were a coach right now, knowing those open vacancies, where would you want to end up the most? Where, where would you like to be the head coach at with the openings that you know of? Hmm. With the openings that I know of, I would probably lean, I would probably lean towards Minnesota because you have so many weapons there on the offensive side of the ball and you just need to beef up the defense. Like you can beef that up in the draft. The offense is a playoff is, is a playoff offense. I think we can all agree on that. Kirk Cousins had a sneaky good year in Minnesota. Of course, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, etc. Great on the offensive side of the ball. They just need a lot of help on the defensive side. So I believe if they could fix that in the draft or, or, well, or in free agency and the draft, you could beef up a really good squad up in Minnesota, and as long as you have the right leader up there, I think they can be a playoff team. And plus, like you said, the expectation, or not necessarily expectation, but the pressure isn't isn't there as much as it is in, say, Denver or Chicago or New York, things like that. So I would go with the Minnesota job. 
All right, well, let's go ahead and take our first break on that note. When we come back, we're going to make our predictions for the first round of the playoffs as we get set for that crazy that we're finally there. And, of course, we'll come back even later in the show and give a little preview predictions of NFL awards as well. Stay with us. You're listening to Talking Schmidt. And welcome back to Talking Schmidt. George Holloway joining me. Of course, our show powered by Big Timber Roofing. Give our guy, Corey Turner, a call. Uh, that number's not in front of me, so you have to re-listen to episode one. But you can if, if you're more technically savvy where you want to send an email, bigtimberroofing at gmail.com or visit the website, bigtimberroofing.com. He also has a Facebook page, so you can check out Big Timber Roofing on Facebook, and his number is on there. He'll give you a free estimation um, of your roof. So that way you can know if you need to get anything done. Obviously, we've had some snow, so we're seeing some damage. We've seen some crazy freaking models coming out right now saying like 15 inches of snow in Clarksville. Believe me, if there's 15 inches of snow in Clarksville, we won't move um, because this town is not made for that nonsense. But I have been in places where it snows that much and uh, you get through it. You're fine. It's just a little snow, but eh, we'll see. All right, George, we'll move in here. Um, looking at playoff predictions, and we're going to kind of start off. We'll have those three. Was it two Saturday games? Three Saturday games. Let me, let me double check here. I got it pulled up in front of me. We have <coughs> two Saturday games, three Sunday games, and a game on Monday. Which can we talk about how much a game on Monday in the playoffs sucks? That's just kind of stupid too. What are we it's doing? The same scenario with the national championship. Yeah, like people aren't going to if because it starts seven fifteen right on Monday. Yeah. It, no one, you're not going to be able to stay up if it go, runs till 11 o'clock. Hopefully the <laughs> Cardinals and Rams don't figure out overtime like we've had to deal with for a lot. By the way, week 18, phenomenal. Great. Exceptional week of football. I mean, I know for you as a Titans fan, you absolutely love the fact that somehow the Jaguars pulled off a, another upset and Indianapolis hasn't won in Jacksonville since 2014. So, I mean, like, I know you love Still that. Continues. Knock them out. Big Ben somehow makes it to the playoffs. <laughs> and that, then that's a stars align moment. <laughs> we almost saw a tie in a game that would have sent both teams to it, but Coach Staley decides, hey, let me call a timeout to try to win this. He got greedy. And because they were, he, the Raiders were playing for the tie. They were. They didn't care. Like they were running the ball up the middle with less than 40 seconds left. Yeah. They're not trying to win the game. Absolutely. Just not. let it go. Let it let the time go. You're both in the playoffs. You're both happy. Yeah, what? How's that song go, George? Let it go. What, what is, is it? The song "Let It Go." You just let it go. Oh, the the frozen one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you let it go, let it go. Yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Why? <laughs> he must. He must not have children. He doesn't have kids. That I guess play not. With. Regardless, I. I mean, I'm glad. I, I guess you. Maybe he didn't want to coach another week. Maybe he wanted to come back next year and see what he had when he has, you know, Austin Eckler, Justin Herbert, you know, Keenan <laughs> Allen, Mike Williams, pretty talented team. Uh, you mm-hmm. have Joey Bosa out there on deep. I mean, you know, whatever. Uh, I know a lot of people were saying, you know, we love the fact that Justin Herbert can throw a dime 60 yards downfield. Now we're going to watch Big Ben not be able to throw it 10 yards. Right. I, I'm not that mad at it. I think it's still kind of cool. I mean, for, you know, as, you know. as a Titans fan, I'm, I'm glad to be honest. Yeah. Cause, cause the chargers are far more intimidating than the Steelers. So even though the Titans did lose the Steelers, it, that was a 
terrible game. Yeah. So I'm. It's Blue. still the Chargers. Are, the Chargers are, are scary. Like the Chargers have a scary offense. So I'm more happy to have the Steelers in there. <laughs> well, George, let's go ahead and jump into some of these predictions here. The Las Vegas Raiders, who won courtesy of a field goal in overtime when they were about to tie and let their division rivals sneak into the playoffs with them, they handed off to Josh Jacobs, and he went to work on a third and four to get in a field goal range. And then, of course, the mm-hmm. Raiders had a timeout. I guess Coach Staley didn't do the analytics on that one, the possibility mm-hmm. of getting that first down. Uh, but the Raiders do win, and then they go on the road to Cincinnati. I know a lot of people are saying the Raiders – have all the means to beat the Bengals. I disagree. I think that they got in on a little bit of luck. Uh, I think uh, I think Derek Carr's playing well, but Cincinnati is a team that is scary. Cincinnati's mm-hmm. scary right now because they have two young guys who are literally just like, we have stuff to prove. Um, Joe Burrow is, I mean, you saw the celebration after they won their, their game. <laughs> Then they didn't even play a week, so they're going to get that this week off to rest. I mean, I don't know. I, I just I, I think Joe Burrow is going to get his first victory in the playoffs, and I know this is a crazy stat, and I don't know if you saw this meme or not either, but no one in the world has ever sent a text message that has truthfully said the Cincinnati Bengals have won a playoff game. The last playoff game the Bengals won was in 1991. The first text message was sent in 1992. Now, I know you weren't alive for either one of those things, and I was just a mere child when that happened as well. But that's wild to think about. Is Mm -hmm. it going to be done? I I would say so. Uh, Just looking at the pure matchup standpoint, the Bengals, it's kind of like the ride the hot hand thing. Joe Burrow is the hottest quarterback in the NFL right now. I think we can all agree on that. And he's he's going to this playoff with, with Jamar Chase by his side. Of course, Joe Mixon coming back after missing with the health and safety protocol. He'll be back ready to go. T. Higgins on that roster as well. It's a really good offense. And the Raiders, their defense is good, is average, good, fine, whatever. But I don't think that you're going to be able to put a stop to that offense completely. But like we said, the may, maybe the thing with the debacle of the season that how it started for the Raiders, and now with the the little bit of motivation at the end where John Madden, one of the greatest legends of the game of football passed away. Maybe there's some motivation there, but I think, I think the, that being said, I think the Bengals are going to take this one, but I do think it's going to be fairly close. Like maybe a 10 point or less game. New England at Buffalo, the next game it's round three between the Patriots and the bills. We shouldn't see the snooze fest. That was that Monday night game or Thursday night game where Mac Jones didn't throw a pass or he threw like how many passes, like four passes in that game. He was two for three for 19 yards. Okay. Yeah. He threw three (laughs) passes in that contest. Uh, We won't see that new England's going to have to find an offense uh, of jolt. If they're going to be able to play Buffalo, the last time those two teams met Buffalo came out with the hurting on them. Um, In this game, you know, we talked about not really going against Bill Belichick, not really going against Nick Saban. And we said that last week and both those coaches lost. Um, So Mm -hmm. for me, I think it's fair this week. I'm going to take Buffalo. I'm going to take the higher seed here. So I'm going to take Buffalo. I just think uh, Allen and company. I mean, I think Stefan Diggs, we've seen uh, Stefan Diggs in the playoffs has had huge moments. We know that. I mean, the Minnesota miracle Mm -hmm. that they had. So, I mean, there's things like that where I think that this Bills team, they've been there. Their defense is first in almost all categories that people forget that. No defensive players from the Buffalo Bills were voted to the Pro Bowl. 
That's wild mm-hmm. to me when they have such a dominant defense. I'm taking Buffalo. I just think it, it's too much for the, uh, the rookie quarterback. Fair point, fair point. I'm going to go against you on this one. I'm actually going to take the Patriots in this matchup. Uh, it's going to be, in my opinion, it's going to be a defensive battle. Both defenses are top five in the league at this point. It's going to be a really good matchup. Josh Allen, he's a fantastic quarterback, but we've seen at times this season he's struggled. He's really fallen apart, especially in that game down in Jacksonville where he completed less than 50% of his passes. So that could definitely happen. That was against a lackluster Jacksonville defense. So with a secondary as strong as the Patriots and a defensive front as strong as theirs, I think the Bengals are uh, – excuse me, the Bills, I apologize. I think they're going to have some trouble. I'm, I think they're going to struggle. And especially since their their running game is definitely lackluster. It, it's Zach Moss and Singletary. It's very lackluster uh, in the backfield back there. No offense to either of those guys. But – like you said, can the rookie quarterback Mac Jones do enough for the New England Patriots? I would say yes. He kind of has the development of a Tom Brady-esque offense where it's just kind of dinking and dunking, taking what you give him, and then taking that deep shot once it opens up. Now, can he hit the deep ball? Who knows? But I think there's going to be a game plan that's drawn up that's going to be effective, and I think they're going to take advantage of some holes in the secondary of the Buffalo Bills, and I think the Patriots are going to win this one, and I don't think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be 14-plus Patriots win. Wow, that's that's a bold statement there. Um, I just don't see that happening. I'm sorry, I can't jump on the hey, that's the, okay. the Patriots bandwagon with you on this one. You just want it because you want the Titans to beat them in the playoffs because you remember that 59 nothing tromping in the snow. I, I get it. I've <laughs> been there. I feel the you. Titan, the Titans into the dynasty, man. They did the Brady dynasty. They did. Vrabel, Vrabel, Vrabel ended his own dynasty that he helped lay the footwork for. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Mike Vrabel, what a monster. Uh, We turn around, we'll have those games on Sunday. We'll have three games on Sunday. We start with the Philadelphia Eagles, who got into the playoffs somehow, some way. Hook or crook, they got in there. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So the Buccaneers, the two-seed Tom Brady, getting a little bit of Miami weather on those old joints. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tampa weather, not Miami. Uh, Getting that Tampa weather on them. Through 45 touchdown passes this year at the the ripe age of 44. Uh, so Tom Brady and company taking on the Eagles. I think that this could be a lot better game than we think. Um, but then again, it's Tom Brady in the playoffs. He's taking on a team that beat him once in a Super Bowl. I think he's going to take out a lot of aggression on the Eagles. So I'm going to take Tom Brady and company. I have the Bucks moving on. I agree. I, I have the Bucks moving on in this one as well, especially since they're getting healthy. Leonard Fournette's going to be back. Uh, Mike Evans returned last week. He'll be in. He'll be ready to go. Tom Brady, of course, like you said, the ripe old age of forty-four, throwing forty-five touchdowns. Yeah, that's impressive. But I also agree with the statement that this game is going to be a lot closer, I think, than some people think. Because think back to last year in the first round of the playoffs, whenever the Buccaneers played the Washington Football Team. It was a 21 to 16 final, and Taylor Heineke almost won that game. It's 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 tough in the first round. You never know what can happen. It's a it's the round of upsets, and anything can happen. But I think, uh, like you said, it's hard to it's hard to go against Brady in the playoffs. And so I'm going to go with the Buccaneers as well. Yeah, Tom Brady just so fantastic in his career in the playoffs. It's it's very hard to say that a guy like that's going to lose. Moving along there, San Francisco, they had to play absolutely lights out to make it there at one point trailing 17-3 to against the Los Angeles Rams. They tie that game up. 
They end up throwing interception, which I still don't think Jimmy, it's not Jimmy Garoppolo's fault. Jalen Ramsey made an no. amazing play. He Rams did. drive the field, looked fantastic. Cooper Cup, amazing touchdown, does great. They go up a touchdown, and then all of a sudden, Jimmy Garoppolo leaves one of the best drives. 61 seconds is all it took to <laughs> score. Tie the game up, go to overtime, and then just get that victory. I, I love it. Um, I think that that's a, just a crazy thing to think of. Uh, Jimmy G gets so much heck and grief. And uh, I mean, I'm not trying to say I'm a, I'm a Jimmy G lover. I don't, I don't think he's, you know, the greatest of all time here, but I, I do, I do think that Jimmy G uh, props off for that game more than anything, because this could have been a season where Jimmy G got benched and never played again. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they could have, they could have definitely got Trey Lance out there and just said, Hey, we're moving on with the franchise. Um, especially after you know winning the game the week before did Trey Lance. So sticking with them, Kyle Shanahan not giving up on his quarterback. They're taking on a Dallas team that is absolutely dangerous and nasty. Um, the only thing that I don't know about Dallas is Dak Prescott. I'm sorry, I don't I, I can't get on that um with Dak. I know a lot of people are talking about him for comeback player of the year, things like that. But for me, I think in this game right now, the hottest team coming in, that defense is absolutely nasty as well. This is going to be a great game with defense if you like it. Uh, San Francisco, as long as they don't let themselves get down in this game by a big margin, I know they just came back against the Rams, but as long as they don't let themselves get down by a big margin, I think the 49ers pull an upset over the Cowboys this weekend. I like that. I like that pick, but I'm going to go against it again. I'm going to take the Cowboys in this one. I do believe that it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a gritty – it's going to be one of those gritty, nasty games where it's just going to come down to it. Whoever has the tougher willpower at the end of the game is going to win that. And looking at the offensive side of the ball, the Cowboys live and die with Dak Prescott. If he performs at a high level, they win. If he he struggles, if he's overshooting receivers, things like that, they lose. So as long as he comes out there and plays the game that he knows that we've seen him play in the past – I think the Cowboys take care of the 49ers, regardless of how well Jimmy G plays or how they can keep them all to themselves. But going back to that Ram, uh, to the Rams 49ers game in week 18, that was one of the most incredible comebacks that I've seen in a, because it, it, it was a loser go home yeah. for the 49ers. They had a lot riding on that. And they, whenever they got down 17 3, they could have just really tucked tail and gave up. But they didn't, they pushed through. Juwan Jennings is an absolute dog. University of Tennessee had two touchdowns, six catches, 94 yards, two touchdowns in that game. Career high for him in every statistical category. So great game for Juwan Jennings there. Great breakout game. And he it came at the best time possible for the 49ers. So they're going in the postseason hot, but I still think the Cowboys can take care of the job. Next game that we'll see, it'll be the Sunday night contest. Kansas City will host Pittsburgh. Patrick Mahomes has an absolutely astronomical record at home. It's very hard to beat him. The one (laughs) loss he's had at Arrowhead came to Tom Brady and the Patriots, which was his first season as a starter. Uh, So Patrick Mahomes, when he is at home in the playoffs, he likes to win, um, and he does a good job. There's no doubt about it. He's taking on Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, If this was a Steelers team, maybe – uh, with a few more weapons on. If this maybe was a in the prime, Le'Veon Bell in his prime, Antonio Brown in his prime, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster before TikTok, whatever, there's a good possibility I, I could really see a good Pittsburgh upset. 
Um, I think that they have the makings for it because they definitely have that who cares mentality. We're here. Mm-hmm. Let's just have fun. Um, but Andy Reid is a coach who doesn't just say, hey, let's have fun. He's going out there to win. Um, Chris Jones is an absolute monster up front. Kansas City's defense has played uh, in the playoffs, has played absolutely lights out for the past few seasons. I mean, there hasn't been many times where you see that Kansas City defense struggle um, when they get to the playoff time. They've also had a lot of times, I think a lot of people this season have kind of forgotten about Kansas City, if you can believe that or not. They've been in the Super Bowl back-to-back years. But I think there's been some times where people have kind of just been like, oh, well, this isn't the same Kansas City that we saw two years ago. This is still the same dangerous Kansas City team that we saw two years ago. Um, mm-hmm. I'm taking Kansas City. I I, I just can't see. Uh, hats off to Mike Tomlin. He deserves a gold jacket. You can give it to him now. I'd, I would be okay with him being the first human being who gets inducted into the Hall of Fame while he's still coaching. I would be okay with that. With the craziness that he's dealt with through his coaching career of Big Ben, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and just, I mean, Juju, all these crazy players the that he's put up with and him to still be an amazing coach to have made the playoffs every year to win the division as many times as he did to have a a, a career that nobody else has done that's had so many um consecutive seasons with the winning record hats off to mike tomlin um but i, I think andy reed uh is the coach that gets the victory in that game absolutely uh, i agree i think it's a great story for the steelers especially this season they it's Big Ben's more than likely last season. It's kind of the it's kind of one of those from my generation that's the one of the few first few to go, and so that's a it's a bittersweet feeling, and it's been a great see it's been a great storyline these past couple of weeks. They had they had to win or they were out, and they won out, and cards folded their way, and just so happened they got they squeaked in the playoffs at the last minute, but they're going to run into the buzzsaw that is the Kansas City Chiefs. And like you said, Patrick Mahomes is not like to lose at home ever. And this is going to be a great coaching battle. Andy Reid, Mike Tomlin, two of the greatest coaches of in the respective in the respective sport. And so it's going to be a cool matchup. I don't think that it's going to be anything special for the Steelers. I I just don't think there's enough firepower there on the offensive side of the ball, and the Chiefs just have so much to offer on that side. And so I think I think it's going to be pretty easily handled by Kansas City. But there is one thing to look out for. Tyreek Hill is dealing with a heel issue. So if he's if he's unable to go, then there's a little bit of opening there for a potential upset to happen. But he's got a, he's got some time to heal up, so I, no pun intended. So I think he'll be all right. And I think the Kansas City Chiefs will take care of business in this one. You did intend that pun. I could feel it. No, I did. I, I, I could I could feel that that was an intended <laughs> pun. Final game that we have here. Um, I really don't know what's going to happen. I honestly think I could flip a coin to make this decision because both these teams are fairly evenly matched. Um, uh, Kyler Murray has had moments where he's absolutely phenomenal this year. Then he's had moments where you're like, what's going on? Um, you know, he doesn't have D hop and they've still done fairly well on the season. Their defense has done well in Arizona. On the flip side of that, Matt Stafford at moments looks like one of the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, and then he turns around and looks like not good at all. So, uh, so Matt Stafford, um, I look at this game and I get very confused. I think the obviously the biggest uh, the biggest thing for me is how Patrick Peterson matches up against a guy like Cooper Cup. Uh, I think that plays into it a lot. I just think that there's added weapon 
OBJ being able to kind of pick up a little bit of steam, Van Jefferson being uh, a little bit more of an involved target. Tyler Higby was playing very well. Uh, Sony Michelle's picked up pace. They have Cam Akers back. The defense still features Aaron Donald, who's absolutely the best defense alignment in the NFL, hands down, no doubt about it. Um, you still have one of the best corners in the NFL and Jalen Ramsey. Uh, I'm going to take the Rams here. Uh, I, I Like I said, I feel like I could flip a coin. I feel like I could be wrong on this. I feel like I could be massively right. Um, I just don't know if this is going to be the – uh, if this is going to be the game that we want it to be, which is going to be fast paced, really great, or just an absolute snooze fest. Yeah, I, I agree with you, pick. I'm going to take the Rams as well. And I do so because, like you said, literally, this game is a flip of a coin. It literally is. Like, it depends on which team shows up for each team. Like, which, which Arizona Cardinals showed up, show up, which Los Angeles Rams show up, et cetera. It's, it's literally a pick, take your, take your best guess and go with it. So I'm going to go with the Rams because I do think their defense is a little bit stronger. Like you said, with Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, et cetera, they have one of the top defenses in the NFL. And I believe the inexperience of Kyler Murray will somewhat show in the playoffs. But you also got to think, Matthew Stafford, he's only played in one playoff game. Yeah. He's only played in one in his entire And they career. lost. They lost yeah. to Dallas. Mm-hmm. And so it, there's going to be inexperience on both sides of the ball, especially that quarterback position. But I think the veteran hand of Matthew Stafford will – take over a little bit and I believe that he'll do what he needs to do and maybe not necessarily turn the ball over as much. So I think the Rams defense are going to lead him in this one. And I don't believe it's going to be like you said, like the fiery shootout that we are hoping for. I think it's going to be more methodical thing, uh, methodical gameplay, things like that. I think it's going to be a close one, but I think the Rams are going to take it. McVay and Kingsbury, you would think that we'd have an absolute shootout, but I think we're Mm going to have the, Rams, uh, Rams, Patriots, Super Bowl of just <laughs> absolutely lacklusterness. And I, we could be wrong. Like I said, it's a flip of coin. It's I think this is the hardest game to predict. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you think that the biggest upset could be New England over Buffalo mm-hmm. in this one. I think the biggest upset this weekend will be San Francisco over Dallas. Uh, by the way that this looks currently, if if your picks are correct, Tennessee would get New England. Um, Cincinnati would go to Kansas city. The Rams would go to green Bay. Dallas would go to Tampa. If Myron are correct, Cincinnati comes here to Nashville. Uh, Buffalo goes to Kansas city. San Francisco goes to green Bay and Dallas goes to Tampa Bay. So, or excuse me, not Dallas. I have, um, Oh, I have the Rams going there. So I'd have the Rams going to Tampa Bay. That would be how my picks would go. So that's how we both think it could go down here with the playoffs. We'll see how things go uh, this weekend. Like I said, games start on Saturday. You have two on Saturday, three on Sunday, and a game on Monday night that we'll have to try to keep ourselves up for. If it's a snooze fest on a Monday night, oh, I'll be yawning like you are now, George. All right, let's take our final break. Here we come back. We'll talk a little NFL awards, and then we will be done for the day. We'll be done for the show. Um, And then we'll come back next week with some new hot topics. We'll see what's going on, see how our predictions went, um, and take a look at some other stuff around the league. But for now, let's take our second break of the show, come back, talk a little NFL. Stay with us. And welcome back to our final segment of Talking Schmidt. Powered by our good friends at Big Timber Roofing. If you need a a free estimation and a free look at your 
uh, I guess, inspection, if you will, of your roof. Call our good friend Corey Turner. You can also hit them up, bigtimberroofing at gmail.com or head over to bigtimberroofing.com. You can also check them out on Facebook. Just look for Big Timber Roofing, and our guy will get you taken care of. Some more severe weather in our area. It looks like over the next week or so, chance for some big snow, probably not, probably more sleet and ice, things like that. So either way, if you're having issues, you find some leaks, um, get it taken care of before the rainy season starts because you don't want to have buckets in your house. That's uh, the best way I can put that. George Holloway here with me. I'm Ethan Schmidt bringing you another episode here of Talking Schmidt. We've reached our final segment talking a little bit here about the NFL awards last week. George and I, we pretty much have told you who we think is going to win the MVP this year. A lot of obviously hype around Aaron Rodgers, the way he finished the season. Um, The only other player I think could win that award, George, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, is Tom Brady. Yep. Yeah, I think Tom Brady would be the other guy. Uh, The only reason why I feel more than anything is obviously because uh, the Colts aren't in the playoffs, so Jonathan Taylor is not there. Um, So we kind of got a whopping 77 yards against Jacksonville. I mean, it's still a good total, though. I mean, it's not like it's, you know, a bad total. That's where we become spoiled, I guess, in that statement I just said. Like, like most running backs, if you have 77 yards, that's a pretty good day. Yeah, but, like you look at players like Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, et cetera, and they have that, and they're like, "Dang, that was rough." Yeah, <laughs> somebody, somebody, a Colts fan could have responded to me like 77 yards. Well, Rodgers only played a, like over a little bit of a quarter. Right, they replaced <laughs> him. And it's like, yeah, but they were going to the playoffs. Um, right. Regardless of that, we I think we're kind of set on that. Um, we'll we'll end with Coach of the Year because uh, I feel like everybody thinks I'm going to choose a certain way. Um, but I have my opinions here of, of who I think it is. Let's go with the comeback player of the year. A lot of people saying Dak Prescott. I think it should be Joe Burrow or Nick Bosa because Nick Bosa is having a great season as well. But I think if you're going to give it to somebody, it needs to be Joe Burrow, right? I mean, obviously, Cowboys fans who listen to this are going to absolutely hate me today. I'm picking against them in the playoffs. I say your quarterback's not the comeback player of the year. I, I just – Here's what I think. I don't think Dak Prescott's a bad quarterback by any means. I think he's got great spurts of just great moments. But like Joe Burrow this year, and maybe I'm just on the Joe Burrow hype train this year, um, but Joe Burrow to me, I mean, what he did, how much he like tore up his knee for him to come back the way he has, um, I, I mean, he has the best completion percentage in the NFL as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even think Brady and uh, Brady and Rogers are close to him in that stat either. So mm-hmm. when I'm looking at it, uh, I, I take Joe Burrow though. What do you think? Uh, I absolutely agree. Like, and even, even my three candidates like that, I, like I could contend for the award are the same. It's Joe Burrow, Nick Bosa, Dak Prescott, all coming off significant injuries. Joe Burrow, of course, probably the most significant with the torn ACL, torn MCL and torn meniscus. That's just that your whole knee is gone. Yeah. Like coming off that injury. And then to, to return in the magnitude that he did, just able to run fluidly around in the backfield, not, no fear, no nothing, has is, is been very impressive to me. I mean, he finished the year with 4,611 yards, 34 touchdowns, and 14 interceptions with a QBR of 108.3. That's an exceptional year. That's MVPS numbers. Yeah. So – to me, it's it's a pretty clear-cut answer who the comeback player of the year is, and it's got to be Joe Shiesty or Joey B or whatever you want to call him. Yeah, I absolutely. I agree with that. Joe Burrow um, definitely earning it this year. Uh, Nick Bo- – and you can't even make the comment or, like, the argument of, like, you know, 
this person led them to the playoffs because all three players are in the playoffs. So yeah, they're all playing this weekend. So um, we'll see how they get to side out. But if it's not Joe Burrow, we'll riot. Uh, <laughs> offensive player of the year, uh, Cooper Cup. I feel it has to be. He has the triple crown in receiving. I know uh, Jonathan Taylor had a very good rushing year as well. Uh, but I think the thing that hurts Jonathan Taylor the most to me in this, like, in my opinion, is the fact of like, you had a great season, but like Derrick Henry put up more numbers last year and he was offensive mm-hmm. player of the year. So like, I think that's going to hurt Jonathan Taylor a little bit, but Cooper cup. I mean, how many times you see a receiver really have all three of those in the same season. So mm-hmm. I, I think you have to go with, with Cooper cup. I agree there as well. I think that there's only one option for this award in my opinion and it is Cooper cup. He had statistically one of the greatest offensive seasons for a wide receiver ever finished with 1,947 receiving yards, 16 touchdowns, just 140-ish receptions, somewhere around that, 140, 145, something like that. Just absolutely – it's video game numbers. Like, literally, he's playing Madden on beginner. Like, it's it's incredible numbers that he's been able to put up. And there's just no other option to me, just him being able to do that consistently week in, week out, because he never really slacked. That was another thing. Every single week he was putting up numbers – and he was a fantasy god. He won so many people leagues this year. And not to just say fantasy is a, a capable stat, of course, but he was consistent. And that's the definition of – that's that's the key to the game is consistency. So, I, I agree. I think the only option is Cooper Cup. Defensive player of the year, I know there's uh, – I'm going to have to – people are going to get mad at me again. I'm, I'm going to say another Cowboy is not my top runner for it. And obviously, Trayvon Diggs – an amazing receive, uh, uh, season with 11 interceptions. That's crazy. Um, but T.J. Watt, I mean, he got – I feel like he got snubbed last year. Um, he led in all really? defensive static, like uh, categories, uh, got snubbed. But this year, I mean, you tie Michael Strahan's sack record in a season. That's mm-hmm. wild. That's a wild I, – I remember seeing that game, and I, I don't know how old you were when that happened, but I remember watching Michael Strahan. Remember Favre sliding and Strahan sacking mm-hmm. him, you know, and – um, and I just remember that game. And so seeing that in my, in my youth and, and being like, I don't know if that will ever be surpassed. Mm-hmm. And yet here we are seeing TJ Watt tie it. And honestly, I, I feel that if TJ Watt could have played every game this year or played, you know, more snaps than what he played, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think there was a stat that said when TJ Watt played at least 60% of the snaps, the Steelers only lost one game this year. When he played anything less, they didn't win a game. So, I mean, that's kind of showing you when T.J. Watt was on the field how how important he's been. Um, I have to say T.J. Watt, uh, who knows what happens. Maybe maybe they'll feel bad for the Cowboys and somehow Trayvon Diggs will get it. But uh, to me, T.J. Watt's defensive player of the year. I, I also agree with that. I agree 100% that T.J. Watt is, is the defensive player of the year. I mean, coming up with 22 and a half sacks and while missing – it was three or four games. It was it was a significant number. And that's that's just you broke a record that had stood for years. And like you said, one that you never you question whether it would ever be broken. And going to the Diggs argument, Diggs is the most overrated corner in the NFL. Wow. And I stand by that statement. Elite corners do not get targeted. That that's that's the thing. Elite corners don't. There's a reason he leads the league in in, in interceptions. It's because he gets targeted the most. He averages 12 targets a game, and he's allowed. He's given up over 1,000 receiving yards on the season. That is borderline pathetic. Wow. Pathetic. 
And even though the interceptions is a great stat, but, I mean, if you could target it 12, 13, 14, 15 times a game, you're bound to have one. You're bound to. He please, should have had more. Cowboys fans, please send all hate mail to George Holloway. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I can't – you can't really argue against that. I know he had the 11 picks and, and whatnot. I, I just – when you have a guy like T.J. Watt who more than likely should have won the award last year – it's hard mm-hmm. not to give it to you him. You can't snub him twice. Yeah, that, uh, especially because his brother would win it for playing half a year. Um, <laughs> offensive rookie of the year, which, by the way, J.J. Watt should be back for the game against uh, the should. Rams. So, he um, should be active. I might have to change my pick. No, I'm not going to. <laughs> Off- offensive rookie of the year, uh, I think at one point it was a shoo-in to say Mac Jones, but I think it's slowly in my mind, not even slowly, but a few games just made you realize it was Jamar Chase. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Mac Jones, he's done great things in New England, done, has had a lot of success as a rookie, but you've seen those moments where he's really stalled out and really faltered in, in a sense, and especially coming down the home stretch of the season where they were locked up in the top of the division, and they really fell apart in these last few weeks, and they managed to hold on to a wild card spot, which was great for them. But like like I said, it was in the t- in crunch time, he kind of fell apart. And so I think Jamar Chase is the only option. He racked up 200-plus yards last week, correct? Yeah, and in the final week of the season, like that's kind of put his stamp on it. Where it's like, and and honestly, like this team, like this Bengals squad, do they win the division without him? I don't know. So it's it's more than likely they do, but possibly they don't. So I, I take Jamar Chase in that argument as well. So I think Jamar Chase is rookie is offensive rookie of the year. Now defensive rookie of the year, Micah Parsons. We can give it to the Cowboy. Cowboys fans. Yeah, are gonna we, love yeah. Us. Hey, Cowboys fans. Yeah. Don't hate us for too long. They'd probably hate me for wearing my Go Pack Go shirt. They're probably thinking back to Des Bryant dropping that pass. Um, Mm. Micah Parsons, defense rookie of the year, no doubt about it. He's been absolutely Mm. phenomenal. Um, Just to be that guy. Here's the crazy part. Like, how many defensive rookies are you also talking about? Like, he could be one of those guys you could consider for the defense player of the year. I think you could consider him more than Trayvon Diggs. Um, so Micah Parsons, definitely that rookie of the year category for the defense. Uh, let's jump to the one where I think everybody's thinking that I'm going to say Matt LaFleur coach of the year. I have for the coach of the year, my top guy, I do have Mike Vrabel winning it. That's what I have. I have Mike Vrabel winning it. I'm a big Mike Vrabel guy. I liked Mike Vrabel when he played for the Mm -hmm. Patriots. Um, and I like him as a coach as well. Now, one coach that I do think should win it over Vrabel and over LaFleur, but I don't think he's going to, is Zach Taylor. I think the Cincinnati Bengals head coach, this has been a great season. He won the division. There's like like there's excitement in Ohio for something that's not those little uh, flower petal thing. What are they, Buckeyes? What are they, little nuts, yeah, whatever bu- it is? Buckeyes, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's <laughs> not the Buckeyes, and it's not – you know, Cleveland winning eight games like Cincinnati mm-hmm. proved themselves like there's something to be excited about in the state of Ohio. Um, and it's the Bengals. And it, and Zach Taylor is the reason for that. I mean, this guy has literally been trudging through. So it's hard for me. I, I like I said, I think Vrabel will win it. Um, I'm sure more people here in the next few weeks are going to keep saying Matt LaFleur's name, especially if you know how far Green Bay can make it, if he can get over that hump of the NFC conference game. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure they'll say that, but I, I think we kind of are going under credit here of what Zach Taylor's done. 
granted he's had, you know, he has two of the best players in the NFL right now. I feel uh, two mm-hmm. of the best young players, let's put it that way in the NFL um, in a guy like Joe Burrow and, and Jamar chase, but it's more than a quarterback and one receiver. You know I mean? There's mm-hmm. a lot that's going into it. So I think Zach Taylor is a little un- undervalued in this award. Um, I do think Mike Vrabel will win it because of the success he's had without having the best running back in the NFL on his roster. Um, mm-hmm. But it's hard for me not to say that Zach Taylor deserves this more than both uh, Matt LaFleur. Um, I, I mean, he deserves it over LaFleur Arians. I think he deserves it over Vrabel as well, but I think Vrabel will win it. Fair. Uh, all the all the options you provided, Lafleur, uh, Stacy, Vrabel, etc., all all are great candidates to, potentially for this Coach of the Year award. But to me, it's a clear cut winner, and the you can say it's biased or not. It's it's completely not. If, if I was a if I was not a Titans fan, I would still probably be saying this. I believe it's Mike Vrabel hands down. He used ninety one players this season and NFL, set an NFL record of players used. He never had the same players on the field at the time. And he managed to come away with 12 wins, lock up the number one seed in the AFC, all without having Derrick Henry since Halloween. He he has not had Derrick Henry since October 31st. And also, A.J. Brown missed a number of games, missed four or five on the season. Julio Jones, six, seven games on the season. It was literally a ragtag team of misfits at the receiving core with Nick Westbrook, Akina, Chester Rogers, and Marcus Johnson before he got hurt. All Hall of Famers. Yeah, yeah, sure. Maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe rookie level Madden, build your dynasty. <laughs> but uh, just what he's what he's been able to accomplish with a ragtag team of misfits for half the season has been absolutely incredible. And you remember the? I'm sure you've seen the clip on first take after Derrick Henry got hurt. Stephen A. Smith getting up there saying the Titans' season is over. Let Let's call it like it is. You've seen that clip? I yeah, I've seen. Yeah, Stephen yeah. A. I enjoy Stephen <laughs> A.'s takes. Uh, yes. But he said the Titans' seasons were over. A lot of analysts blew that tune as well. They they also claimed Titans couldn't overcome this, et cetera, et cetera. They went six and three since Derrick Henry's injury and left no doubt behind them. And so I think what Mike Vrabel has done is incredible, taking nothing away from what Zach Taylor did in Cincinnati or Lafleur in, in Green Bay. It's it's been incredible seasons from all three, but Mike Vrabel is by far the most deserving candidate in my eyes. People are saying that LaFleur doesn't deserve it because he has Aaron Rodgers. Is that why a lot of people – do you feel that same way too? He's been put into a situation with a Hall of Fame quarterback that – I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. If Rodgers doesn't have to win another Super Bowl or another game, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He doesn't Absolutely. have to break the records. We know that. Do you feel – and Devontae Adams, same thing. He doesn't have to catch another ball, and he will be talked about as a Hall of Fame-esque mm-hmm. receiver. Um do you feel that that's what kind of weighs in on people saying LaFleur maybe doesn't deserve it over a guy like Vrabel as he is in a situation where he hasn't really had to build anything because it was there. It's one of those things where like your dad gifts you with that 1965, you know, or 19, you know, 64 Mustang. And he's just like, Hey, mm-hmm. don't dent it. Do you feel like that's right. the reason why LaFleur doesn't get that <laughs> conversation as much? I'm sure to some people, yes. And I believe in the, even the voters of this award, yes, that's going to play into their minds. They're going to think, like you said, he inherited a great situation. He came in with literally a gold mine, and Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, one of the best wide receiver quarterback duos that we've probably ever seen. Like, honestly, it's one of the greatest of all time, in my opinion. And, and I hope it continues. But uh, 
to be to completely take Matt LaFleur out of the conversation just because of the situation he inherited is completely unfair. Like if you're you're leading a team as a top seed in the NFC for because he's in year three, correct? Yes. Or four. Yes, three. Year three. He's led them as a top seed in the NFC for two out of three years and the number two seed in the in one of the others, correct? Yeah. So that's just that's incredible. The, like no matter the situation, it's it's hard to win consistently in the NFL. It really is. And that's why the coaching carousels happen every year. So many teams lose their head coach, fire their head coaches because they aren't winning. Matt LaFleur has continuously won. So I, I, I think it's completely unfair to take his name out of the conversation just because of his personnel involved. He's still building and working with that personnel. So I think he has every right to be in the conversation. He just has to make sure that they reevaluate everything, as he said, after their loss to the Lions, because they need to reevaluate Jordan Love is what we're learning, which just makes you even more angry. You know, you think about it. We talked about the fact, and I'm just going to rant as a Packers fan for a second, the year Mm -hmm. that T.J. Watt fell to him to the draft and they traded back to get uh, Kevin King in the second round and then trading up when guys like Brandon Ayuk was still on the board. Yeah, to get mm-hmm. Jordan Love, who's now played two games in the NFL and uh, thrown four interceptions in those two games. So congratulations, mm-hmm. Jordan Love. Uh, but who knows? I mean, Rodgers didn't look great in his first few seasons in Green Bay either. Um, there's a great clip of Joe Buck and Troy Aikman saying, if this doesn't change, Green Bay is not going to win a lot of games. And now they're in the NFC Championship game almost every year. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, something changed, obviously. George, it's been another great week talking to you, man. I hope you enjoyed it, and maybe we can get some other uh, some other faces in here with us for the next few shows. I think next week, big thing I want to talk about, I think we'll break down some positions in the NFL and say, looking back at this season, we'll rank probably our top 10 quarterbacks that will go position by position here in the, in, the, uh, in the playoffs. We'll also look at the divisional round, give you a preview, see how we finished last week. Uh, see if there's any coaches hiring, anything like that, and maybe jump into some other talks and um, see where we're at. My biggest thing, and and I'll say this, and I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast know this, um, I do watch college basketball, and I do watch and keep up with uh, professional basketball. I do keep up with the NBA. I want to say right now, uh, you guys, I didn't get to watch his game back. I didn't get to watch his return game because I had a lot going on. but Clay Thompson coming back is probably like one of the greatest things for me because the last game straight up, this is not a lie. Like I love Giannis. I think he's an amazing athlete and I've watched bits and bits and pieces of it. The last NBA game I sat down and watched Clay Thompson uh, injured his knee. So I have not watched an NBA game from start to finish since Clay Thompson got injured. That's how much I like Clay Thompson. So him coming back will probably spark my energy a little bit back in it, but it's so hard for me to, focus on anything other than football when we're in the NFL playoffs. So we'll do our best to get some other professionals talking there. I know the, uh, the Preds are doing really well. The Grizzlies are doing really well. Um, we'll have baseball right around the corner, but I, I told George today, I feel bad. Oh, he's wearing his Braves championship shirt. Um, I told, I told George earlier uh, today um, when I was texting him, I said, man, we'll talk about other things, but it's just right now, the only college basketball program I'm seriously sitting down and watching a ton of is Austin Peay because I have to call the games. So if, if that wasn't a thing, I mean, like, I would probably be able to kind of sit down and watch a little bit more. But, you know, I have seen some of the upsets. I know there's a lot of crazy upsets that have been going on in the Big 12. Um, Texas Tech has been a big part of that. So, like I, like I said, uh, don't think that I'm just completely blind-eyed to it. If you haven't tuned into the uh, the first two seasons, you'll know, like, when when March Madness rolls around, 
we'll have brackets. We might have 64 people in a Zoom meeting talking all at once about the. No, we won't ever do that. Um, we might have a little bit more, though, when it comes to bracket time, stuff like that, and bracketology, uh, our picks, things like that. But for me, when it's NFL playoff time, I just got to focus on it uh, because it is such a, you know, it is a very uh, polarizing time of the year. I mean, it's the hunt to, you know, we've had the longest NFL season ever and we'll continue until what February 13th will be the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. That's the first time that, you know, it's in the second week of February. So crazy times in the world. I, I like to keep up with the NFL as much as possible. Uh, the other sports will have other times. Um, but George, any final thoughts here before we move on and uh, move on to the next week? Uh, basically, we're in for a wild week of NFL playoffs. It's going to be a really fun opening weekend. Some really intriguing matchups in the in the uh, wild card round here, and I'm excited to see how it plays out. Hopefully, our predictions are at least somewhat right this week. Correct. We we have to look better. Last week was abysmal. <laughs> for another week of talking Schmidt, I'm Ethan Schmidt namesake of the show here our good friend george holloway joining us we appreciate you tuning and listening to us and again we want to thank our big uh big overall sponsor here the one that powers us good friend of mine um Corey turner over at big timber roofing if you're having roof issues give my guy Corey a call hit him up on email big timber roofing um, at gmail.com head over to the website big timber roofing or you can visit him on facebook where you'll find the number that you can call other than that, we hope that you have a great week, and you, we hope that you uh, tell your friend about the show as well. Uh, there's no giveaways if you do, but we just appreciate it. More listeners, more clicks, more people getting involved on it. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can always reach out to me on social media um, as well. Uh, you can find me at underscore coach underscore Schmitz. That's where I put all my uh, – where I really pay attention to Twitter, I'm not going to lie. Or you can go on Facebook at Talking Schmidt. Um, if you have any questions you'd like to throw into the show that I may be able to throw a curveball over to George at, get him, get him on his toes thinking. Uh, but for <laughs> another great week of Talking Schmidt, thank you so much for listening, and we hope you join us again next week.